Welcome back. I'm Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westville Bank and host of the Sharing Knowledge series. Today we'll be talking about development and investments in real estate and look to the emerging market trends as we venture into 2022. We hope you enjoy another episode of Sharing Knowledge series. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about commercial real estate and really around investment and development opportunities. Uh, we have two great guests that are joining us here today. First, we have Jim Pickard, president of Pickard Commercial Group. Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what uh, Pickard Commercial Group does? Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Um, Pickard Commercial Group was founded about uh, 18 years ago, um, and we are a commercial real estate brokerage and development and investment group. Okay. Well, welcome. And I know you'll have some, some good insight on our topics here today. Our next guest is Dan Spring, uh, president of NAI Spring. Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, your company and, and what your role is there. Sure, thanks again for having me, Kevin. Um, so NAI Spring is a commercial industrial real estate brokerage. We're located in, in North Canton and then also have an office in West Virginia. So we focus mainly on commercial industrial real estate and investment properties, and then also do some development. Okay, well, welcome aboard and joining us here today. So, you know, as we talk about commercial real estate investment um, and, and really around that topic, I think one of the things that come to mind is really the, the flexible work arrangement that is going on out that companies are experiencing and, and really want to talk about what are some of those benefits that it could provide um, investors or, or owners of property but also maybe some of the drawbacks that, that we're seeing with it as well. So, Dan, why don't we start with you on, on, on this? So I, I think the main thing for companies, it's great because you, you have your, your ability to be able to hire from just about anywhere. Um, you can hire people. If, if you're in North Canton and, and, and Stark County and you get a foot of snow, you can still hire somebody that's out on the West Coast or wherever. So I think there's lots of, uh, of different advantages to being able to to hire people from outside. That's the main thing. From an investor's standpoint, you, you know, the, the office environment has certainly changed quite a bit. Um, it's probably one of the categories that, that people are, are trying to figure out still. And we're looking at it um, from the standpoint of, of people are gonna do things, they're gonna move, whether it's they're gonna move uh, up in size or down in size, they're probably gonna do something. Um, but it's just a matter of most people right now are kind of punting it down the road a little bit. They're not looking to sign. Traditionally, they've looked to sign three or five year leases. Now most of the people are, are since they're trying to figure out are their people going to work from home, are they going to work um, in the office or some type of hybrid, uh, they don't want to give up space quite yet. So they're just signing renewals for shorter terms at the moment. Yeah, I, I think the challenge is we're going to need space. We just don't know how much and, and, and when um, from that standpoint. Jim, what, what from your experience, um, what are you seeing with flexible work arrangements and, and what impact is it maybe having on, on your company? I think from the investment side, Kevin, that uh, as an investor looking at either developing a building or um, buying an existing building, uh, understanding this ever-changing business model that we're looking at in having work at home and work in the office. What size do we need? What size don't we need? So as we're looking at making the investments and not knowing what the length of term of lease we might be entering into, it's going to have a direct impact on the desirability of it and also a lender's desirability to, to loan on it. 
either one of your experience, uh, have you seen this, has it created more of a demand in, in space um, out there that, that people are, are requiring from office or, or warehouse? So I, I think the main thing there, Kevin, is it's, I, I wouldn't say it creates demand per se, but I, I think it's, it's most people's perception of office right now is from an investment standpoint, you don't want to touch it. I, I kind of disagree with that a little bit because I think there's always going to be an avenue. There's going to be some people that want. I think it's just going to take a little bit more time to, to figure out exactly what people are going to need and what they're going to want these days. So from an investor standpoint, uh, if you look at it on one hand, you know, it might be a great opportunity because a lot of people think office space is dead right now and you might be able to pick those assets up for a little bit better price. Jim, anything you want to add to that? I would agree with Dan on that as well. We're seeing a repurposing of office space. Uh, in Akron, we're seeing office space converted to housing, which is very hot. Um, we're seeing large other uh, malls and things of that nature being converted to industrial parks. So there are many opportunities that exist. Uh, in terms of the office, I would agree with Dan that uh, there's a retraction there and a, a play on the investors Part to kind of shy away from it. Now, Dana, as, as you were talking before, you're talking about like upsizing or, or, or downsizing, and I, I think maybe it's more tenants are looking for right sizing of properties. Does that make sense? And, 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 and maybe talk a little bit more on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that definitely is what they're trying to do. They're trying to look between, you know, are we going to have people work three days a week? Are we going to have them work two days a week? Or are we going to bring them back full time? Uh, and I think a lot of that depends on the businesses that they're in. There's some of them that are certainly, that make sense and they can have people work remotely all the time. There's others where they, quite frankly, probably need them back five days a week. And there's a lot that I think will be somewhere in between. So yeah. I think they're all just trying to figure that out. What's, what is the right size we need to be these days and how much office space, you know, will, will, would fit best. Yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, like we're going through that same, same experience right now as, as far as um, looking, do we, do we need more office space or you go into shared office space or is there hoteling space for, for people to come in because of the flexible work environment. And I think that's going to be the challenge is, is how do you work through those situations and, and, and improve properties or, or develop properties to fit those needs into the future. And, and as you said, it's, people are looking for shorter and shorter term leases and, and how do you make that happen in that short period of time but still get a, your return um, on investment right. out of it. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. I think once they start, I, I still think once you get a year or two out, then they'll have a better idea. And maybe it's only a year. Maybe it's by the end of this year. They get a better idea. Okay, here's what the flow is going to be. Here's what, what space we're going to need. Then I think you'll get back to longer-term leases. And that's why I still think office is not a bad investment if you can pick them up for the right price right now. Um, you'll have to go in and put some TIs and different things into those sure. properties, most likely, once they figure out how they want their configuration. But if you can pick them up right, it's, it certainly can be a good investment. Okay, great, thanks. Uh, Jim, we, we were talking about uh, you know, like repurposing buildings, and, and I think the challenge around that is, is how do you make a property relevant so it, it's, it's gonna be valuable to a tenant long-term? Um, I don't know if you wanna elaborate on that or, or maybe some options that, that uh, investors can look at. Well, that, that's the key question when we're looking at investments now. We're consulting with our our investors, and even looking at the pro formas for these various buildings, and how do you repurpose them? What's the cost involved? Where are we headed in this work at home environment? Um, in, in our opinion, 
the work environment has to be much more than it has been previously. It needs to be more accommodating, offer more benefits, uh, whether it's uh, working environments, collaborative spaces, things of that nature. And a lot of the buildings have been built around a siloed office model. So in order to tear all that out and redo it, uh, hopefully there are, as Dan mentioned, there are some bargains out there that you can acquire. But so far, uh, our analysis hasn't borne that out that the, the owners of those properties aren't yet willing to sell at a price that makes it reasonable for us to, to renovate for the new, uh, new office model. So what are some of the benefits that, that you're seeing when, when you have uh, individuals considering investing in, in commercial real estate? And, and maybe what are some things that they should take in, into consideration? Dan? Yes, yeah, so I, I mean, by far the biggest thing these days is still, you're still at record low interest rates. I mean, even if you look at what the Fed's talking about right now of, of potentially raising rates, you know, two, three, four times this year, um, you look at that and you're still gonna be at record low interest rates. And there's so many other things that if, if you look at from real estate, what it has to offer versus other places where you can put your money right now, uh, you get the depreciation on top of that. Uh, hopefully you get an appreciation of the property as well. So I, I still think it's, a, obviously I'm biased, but I still think <laughs> it's one of the best spots to, to put money at the moment. Jim, I, I know um, the stock market's at, at an all-time all high. Uh, and, and people are looking for maybe some tangible assets to, to invest in, and, and, and real estate comes to mind on that. Um, is there any additional like, you know, information or, or, or recommendations that you would give to people that are, are looking to invest in real estate? Work closely with your broker and, and do some really strong analysis, uh, including a sensitivity analysis to see if certain things change in your thought process of this investment, how does it impact uh, you down the future. And I, I believe that's really what is going to make a difference between a good investment and a poor investment. The other part that uh, I like to point out to various clients is that not only do you get perhaps some appreciation uh, and uh, with the low interest rates, but that you get the principal reduction. So over time, you get this growing gap between what you originally bought it for and what your equity portion is. And that's the part I think is really uh, important. So you get the internal rate of return that could be 19 to 25% as opposed to the stock market. It's hard to compete against the stock market yeah. for the last year, but uh, real estate has, has performed wonderfully over the last, you know, since 2010, maybe 11. <laughs> well, one, one thing, um, you know, you have investors and, and maybe they like the idea of, of being more into the market, but the real estate sector is intriguing to them. And, and so there's options that they can get in that is maybe the best of both worlds, and, and that could be investing in a REIT, a, a real estate investment trust, or, or, or being part of that. Um, do you want to maybe explain uh, what a REIT is and, and, and how that works? Well, real, real estate investment trust, or a REIT, uh, would be just a large organization that has lots of capital to invest in real estate. And that's their, in my humble uh, opinion or understanding, um, that's what they are in business to do. In my opinion also, that their margins that they look for are much smaller than what I or perhaps Dan would want from our investments, where we might look for uh, a rate of return of 9%, or what we call a capitalization rate, uh, which is the money you get on your cash that you invest. 
um, they might be happy with a four and a half or a five percent. And they can do that because they have these large quantities of money. The benefit is, of course, to someone who doesn't want to be physically involved in the day-to-day -day operations is that somebody else is handling that for you. Uh, but there are smaller investment groups uh, that you can become involved in that can give you equally good returns um, that may not be involved with a REIT. Okay, great, thank you. Dan, is there anything else you wanted to add on, on REITs? No, I, I think that's, the, he, Jim really hit on the key things there. I, in the end, uh, you know, uh, REIT's very much like a mutual fund, but just geared towards real, real estate. And um, if you look at it, most of them are very specific. So if you like, per se, office or you like retail, you can, you can invest in a REIT that only does office or retail or industrial or whatever you like. Um, so it does allow you to at least pick out a different category if you like something. And then like Jim said, it just takes out the ability. You don't have to manage it. You don't have to finance it. You don't have to do anything else. You just buy it and uh, your return may be lower than what you could potentially do. But it also might be a, a safe haven as well. Now, with everything that's happened in, in the last couple of years and, and all the stimulus out there, there's a lot of liquidity in, in, in the market. And there might not have been as many opportunities to, to put that, that money to work. And we're seeing more and more REITs out there. You're seeing private equity that is, are buying up properties. How's that impacted your business or your markets, or, or has it at all um, from you know, like a, a cost standpoint or, or, or competitive standpoint? Yeah. You know, the, the certainly the, there's just there's, there's probably more competition overall than I've seen in the market in the 20 years I've been doing it. Um, a lot of that, uh, for instance, we, we recently listed a couple of apartment complexes, which we're doing completely different than traditional marketing. We, we actually market them now where we go out and we, we do a, a call for offers which is run similar to like a, an, an auction. You, you put a date out there 30 days from now and, and say, okay, we're gonna take offers up till that date and then we're gonna review them. The reason you do that in a market like this is because there's so much competition and there's so much money and capital chasing good assets. Now these have to be really good assets like apartments, multifamily, is something a lot of people are chasing right now. And we're, we're seeing money come in from the West Coast, the East Coast, from venture capital groups. There's just a lot of money that's not just local, but that will come and chase yield here. They can't get the returns on the West Coast or the East Coast that we can get here um, for their money. So there's, there's money not only from venture capitalists, but all over the place that are, that are chasing commercial real estate, good Class A products, mainly industrial and multifamily. Jim, anything you want to add on that or, or any type of impact that's had on, on you or your business? The com competition has become so stiff yeah. that it's just chased a lot of potential buyers away. The, the returns, as Dan mentioned, from the private equity firms and so forth, we're seeing them coming in and offering numbers that we would never see before. And sometimes I'm left scratching my head thinking, how are they paying this kind of money for this kind of investment? Um, so it, it has been a little problematic. And now we're trying to go uh, and compete against the, the private equity firms that are trying to get a 3 and a 4% return on their money, and they've got to put it somewhere. Mm -hmm. We also have business partners that are looking for us to find investments for them, very anxious to do so, but we can't. Uh, we're just not finding them in our 
wheelhouse that we would be happy to invest in that you'd be happy to loan money on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they certainly, I mean, they've changed the ball game. And one of the things that most of them have a certain amount of money that they have to place every year. So you get to the third and fourth quarter of last year and they were calling us constantly. Do you have anything? Are you listing anything? Do you have any industrial properties? Do you have any, any multifamilies? Because mm. they're just trying to place capital. So yeah. it, it, has that created any issues um, where are, are, are appraisals able to keep up with the values of the properties? Uh, I, I know on new construction, that's that's always been a challenge because of cost of material. Um, but what about on, on existing properties? Are, are you running into any of those issues where where appraisals aren't keeping up with uh, with recent transactions? I think the appraisers are trying to stay ahead of it, uh, but um, we see most appraisals coming in where they need to be. Uh, and and to, to Dan's comment, I would say, you know, patience right now is something we need. I, I know Warren Buffett would have billions of dollars sitting in an account somewhere and he just would not invest it until the right moment came along. And I think you need to be patient and persistent and not blink too quickly. It will come around, uh, observe what's going on in the marketplace and uh, maybe in two or three years, opportunities will come back for others. And, and what about cap rates? I know that's a big driver of the values of, of, of properties. Where, where are you seeing cap rates at? Are they at all-time lows um, or, or, or getting that getting that way? Um, in Definitely all-time lows, oh, sure. especially for products like multifamily and, uh, and industrial are at, at all-time lows. And I don't see that changing. Even with the increase in interest rates, I think there's, there's enough capital out there and there's enough people looking to place money that I think they'll continue to be at record low cap rates, especially for those categories. I would, I would agree. There, there's a lot of people that do not want to put any more money in the market. Yeah. They think we're reaching those top numbers that it could come back. Um, and we're seeing cap rates, the most recent one was a 4.25, um, which we're just, again, scratching our heads. And then we're also questioning whether it's going to appraise, and we're already being told that it's been vetted and it's it appraised. So I think we will see those. The, the multifamily, the industrial uh, distribution yeah. will continue to uh, have those low cap rates. And, and how much impact does location have on, on the cap rate? I mean, lo location's always the number one thing in real estate. Yeah, and, location, and location, location. That's, that's what you're always taught, right? That's right. That's right. And that, that definitely holds true whether you look at it from a, a local, regional, or national. If you look at it from a national standpoint, you know, the, the East Coast and West Coast money um, is coming to this area because they're chasing cap rate. On, on those areas, they're getting cap rates under threes and sometimes even in the high twos. And here, like Jim just said, I mean, a record low for us is down in the fours, four and a half. Yeah. Uh, but for them, you know, that, that's great because they, can, they can't get anywhere near that on, on the coast. So that's where a lot of that money is, is chasing to the uh, or coming to the, the Midwest. Yeah, being a long-term banker, um, you know, cap rates were always eight percent range. You know, when, when you thought when you look back, and it's just amazing how low they they've gotten um, throughout the recent years. Yeah. So, Jim, anything you want to add on location or anything on that? Again, as it refers to investments, we, we want to look at the location in terms of synergy and things of that nature in the in the area. Uh, what might be a draw whether it's rooftops or businesses or retail, uh, that could help facilitate that investment having a sustainable success uh, that we would want to invest in. Okay. 
So now I'm going to ask you guys a question. So I'm, I'm going to need you to look into your uh, crystal ball on this one. So where do you see the real estate market, commercial real estate market, in the next five to ten years? <laughs> Jim, start with you. Uh, that, that's a that's a challenging question, Kevin. I I see it as it's going to be blossoming. I, I think the office is going to be in for a big correction. I'm concerned that we're getting numbers on vacancies and things of that nature that may not be as reflective of what really is what's happening. We have leases in place, but nobody in the building. And we have leases in place that might be terminating in a year or two. They have no intention of coming back. So there is maybe an implied vacancy, if you will, that I see on the office side. In terms of manufacturing and distribution, I, there's a tremendous shortage of that right now. Uh, it's very much in demand. However, development hasn't taken a hold as much as it should because of the cost of construction. And when you go to a, a, a client, whether Dan or I go to someone and say, we'll build you a new building, uh, we'll find that the cost of that on a per square foot basis and what we have to charge on a rental rate doesn't make sense uh, for that individual client. Some it does, and you can get a long-term lease. But that's where I see, I see development uh, taking hold, more development taking place to fill that void, and probably a repositioning of office space uh, and a re-understanding of, of office space uh, that we're current, that the market we're currently in. Okay. Dan, what do you think? Where, where do you see real estate in the next five to, to ten years? No, I, I, I agree with Jim pretty much. I mean, I, you know, I think uh, I think your multifamily and, and your your industrial will continue to do good. Certainly, in the next five years, uh, ten years is hard to tell. I mean, I, it, one thing's for sure: you look at it, and we've been at an uphill roll here since two thousand nine. Uh, how long can that last? No. There's got to be a bump somewhere in the next five to ten years, whether it's three years out, whether it's four years out. And, and the question is, will that be a, a steep drop off or will it be? But there'll be a correction, I think, overall in some of the market. Even these record low cap rates, a lot of that's being driven. If you look at the multifamily market, that's being driven because you've had, you know, you look at housing starts. Housing starts were low for a number of years. So that, and now that they have started and they have a bunch of product out there, you know, I just I just heard a thing from an economist the other day that the the min housing or the median housing dollar is four hundred thousand is the median housing for a new build. Um, and if you look at from an apartment standpoint, those are all filled, which you would think, okay, if we if we have housing's doing great and everything's going, but the problem is a lot of the people in, in the apartments can't afford to go into the housing. So I think all of these sectors are, are, I don't think it's a bubble per se, but I think there's certainly a correction coming at some point within that 10-year period. Okay. Well, that's good, good to know. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, is how has e-commerce impacted commercial real estate? As things become more and more internet-driven um, from like the, the business side of, of things, whether it's sales or distribution and, and that. Um, have you seen it, any impact on in your market or your, your area, Jim? Well, I think it's definitely something that's taken hold. I don't see us converting to what they do in the residential side, but uh, being on the internet and the various platforms that we have there to present our real estate holdings uh, has improved dramatically. And it has opened it up to, 
to the world, which we didn't have many years ago. So it, it's been a positive impact. Um, you also have the factor that people are inquiring into properties that probably they have no business uh, inquiring in. So I think due diligence on the broker's part has become more increased uh, to thoroughly vet the folks that are approaching us on our properties. Dan, what about you? I mean, have you seen e-commerce impacting your business, your markets? Yes. And maybe the type of space that people are looking for. Certainly, certainly. I mean, e-commerce has directly affected the warehouse and industrial space. I mean, you can't, you can't open up the paper anymore and not see Amazon's moving here yeah. or somebody, somebody's moving here with a million square feet. I mean, these are big, big buildings. And it, it's not just Amazon. There's several others that are, that are building large buildings. The Columbus market's an excellent example. I mean, it's grown tremendously with e-commerce over the last couple of years. The, the, the interesting point, if you really look at it um, from the retail standpoint, a lot of people think retail has been hurt a lot. Retail last November was up 14% over 2019. And I think when the December numbers come out, they're going to say it's, that's bricks and mortar retail. So I think that's still doing fairly, fairly good too. But e-commerce is certainly chipping away at it no. every single year and taking more and more. I'm surprised when, when, you, when you said those numbers. I would have never thought that. Um, I would have thought it would have been the exact opposite, being down that much versus up. So yeah. that's very interesting uh, to, to hear that news. So. I, I want to thank you both for, for joining us here today. I know this is a, a really relevant topic and, and you know, like really, I think, top of mind and, and, and really timing, um, timely to bring up and, and, and talk about. One thing we always ask our guest is what is on your watch list? So what is one thing that you'd like to share with our viewers that maybe something that they should keep in mind or, or top of mind? Jim, we'll, we'll start with you. What, what, what's, what's on your watch list? Currently, what we're looking at, um, I'm not sure if this would be something you're considering, Kevin, but we're, we're looking at sale leaseback opportunities. So where a company is currently maybe having a bit of a challenge um, uh, that we would come in and acquire their building, lease it back to them, and work out a win-win scenario that they could either buy the building back, they could partner with us, uh, and we've been successful that on a couple different occasions. So we're continually looking at that. And I think as the market continues to move forward, we're going to you're looking at other opportunities maybe in the uh, in the office environment uh, to repurpose that uh, or perhaps development in the uh, manufacturing distribution oh good those are those are all great topics thank you for sharing mm -hmm. dan what's what's on your watch list so i think the main thing that's on my watch list is just real estate in general you know a lot of the categories are people have written off and saying retail isn't doing doing great or even hospitality i think a lot of those things are going to start make comebacks uh, I think office is still the one that's, that's a little different, but may create some opportunities for investors. Uh, so I think, I think 2022 is going to be an interesting year, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. One, one thing that, that uh, I have, uh, I guess, on, on the watch list is 1031 tax exchanges. You know, like maybe, I don't know if you guys have any insight or, or updates on it. I know there's concern. With the tax changes, it was going to go away. Um, I, you know, like it's, it's still available out there. Uh, any insight or thoughts from either one of you on, on 1031s and what the future looks like for 1031 tax exchanges? 
I, I certainly hope they don't give away. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great benefit, right, yeah, for, for they people do. to sell them and, and buy and it create, I mean, it creates a lot of sales and transactions. Um, you know, it, 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 would, it, would be, it would not be good for our business if, if they did go away. Uh, it, it certainly creates a lot of people um, from an investment standpoint, you know, starting at a smaller investment and building their way up. Uh, so I, I, I would hope they don't go away, but they, they seem to be on the chopping block every couple years and, and they've made it through. So hopefully they'll continue to, to not, not get chopped. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of investors in this country that would be harmed if 1031 went away and it would, it would impact investments and transition transactions with real estate. Well, again, I want to thank you both for, for joining us here today and, and spending the time and, and, and talking about this with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, and articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender. Investment products are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, may lose value, are not a deposit, are not insured by any federal or state government agency. Westfield Bank does not provide legal advice.